Welcome to the Bluff First Podcast. We pray that this message would encourage and enrich your life. For more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com. Some of you guys did not have this advantage growing up. I grew up with a mother who always took my side. Um, I had friends that would make me, you know, upset, make me angry, and I would come home and I would vent about that friend, and the next day, we would be totally fine, but two, three weeks later, I'd be like, hey, mom, can so-and-so come over, and she'd be like, I don't like that kid, and I'm like, what do you mean you don't like that kid, and, and you know, it's my own fault, um, and so it, I found myself, I learned that, and I... Um, I, so I, I got myself out of one of those situations. I had a friend, um, an anonymous friend that was uh, doing donuts in the high school parking lot. We had a gravel parking lot there at East Carter and I was driving my parents' van and he was doing donuts and uh, slung some gravel my direction and knocked out the back windows of my parents' van. And so I uh, went home, you know, with missing windows and my mom was like, what happened? And I was like, I have no idea what happened. Because I didn't want my mom to stop liking my, my friend who definitely doesn't attend Bluff First and definitely isn't named Brett Baker. Um, <laughs> sorry, Brett. Uh, but, you know, we could laugh about that. But the truth is this morning, um, we all tend to believe the lie that we are better off uh, keeping our secrets to ourselves, that we are safer keeping them to ourselves than we would be if we shared them. And so this morning, man, we want to welcome you again. Uh, I want to say hello again. So glad that you would choose to be here with us at Bluff First this morning. If we've not met yet, um, I'm TJ, and the crying baby is my son. So if your kid ever cries, don't even feel bad about it, okay? Um, but we're delighted to have you here this morning. We've been in a series called Deeper Waters And uh, we're kind of just wading out into deeper relationship with God and deeper relationship with each other. And so today I want to talk about deeper transparency. I wasn't very transparent with my mom about uh, about the van, but we want to talk about transparency. Here's what I want you to know this morning. God does not expect uh, perfection from you that you are incapable of, okay? Jesus is the only uh, perfect man to ever walk this earth, but he does want honesty from you. He does want honesty from you. And so many of us, we feel like we can fool God and put on a facade even to God. He knows you, um, and so he doesn't really need you to tell the truth. He knows the truth, but he wants you to for your own good and for your relationship with him. Some of you maybe that have grown up in church or went to Sunday school or whatever, you remember a guy from the Bible from the Old Testament by the name of David. How many have heard of David before? Shepherd David, David and Goliath. King David, right? Well, at one point, David is looking out from his palace, and he sees uh, a young woman uh, taking a bath that is not his wife and actually is married to a different man, but David takes advantage of her, and in an effort uh, to cover that up and just kind of do away with his problem and the consequences of his sin, he sends her husband uh, to the front lines of the war to be killed so he won't have to just deal with any of it. And, you know, it's easy for us to look at David and look at all the terrible things he did and think, man, how could God possibly use him? And yet we see God uses him time and time again, and I think that's because of repentance. I think it's because he is very quick um, to see his wrong. He is very quick to be honest with God. And in one of uh, his prayers, 
he, he says this, Psalm 51, verse 5 and 6, um, David says, I was born a sinner. Nobody had to teach me that, right? Parents of small children said amen. Nobody had to teach your kids how to be selfish. He says, I was born a sinner from the moment my mother, I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother, what am I going to do with only one hand? From the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty, who? God desires honesty from the womb. I like how Eugene Peterson paraphrased this passage, put in his own words. Psalm 51, verse 5 and 6 uh, expresses David's thoughts this way. God, you're the one I violated. You've seen it all, the full extent of my evil. You have all the facts before you. Whatever you decide about me is fair. I've been out of step with you for a long time in the wrong since before I was born. I love this line. What you're after, God, what you're after is truth from the inside out. So you got you to gotta help me then, he says. He says, enter me, conceive a new true life. I know I've already said this, but if you're a note taker, write it down. God wants honesty from us. God wants honesty from us. And we human beings tend to struggle with honesty. You know, I've heard many times in my life, I've heard someone say something to the effect of, I just can't stand a liar. Anybody ever heard someone say that? I can't stand a thief or I can't stand a liar, right? I've heard that many, many times in my life and I get it. You know, there is something that just offends us when somebody lies to us. But the irony is this, <laughs> we're all liars, aren't we? We are all liars. Maybe we don't cheat our customers. Maybe we haven't told big, you know, fish stories or whatever, but we hide, we conceal, we tell only what we want to tell, we tell partial truths, we show parts of who we are, we pretend to have it all together, we pretend to be smarter and wiser than we are. We lie about silly stuff. I Listen, if you call me at four o'clock in the morning and say, were you asleep? My default setting is no, no, no. I'm up, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm feeding the cows, you know, whatever. Like, I've been up. I'm, and I, or if you ask me, have you, have you heard of that band? I'm like, yeah, I think so. I haven't heard of it, okay? I don't know. <laughs> like, it's, it's just inside of us. And this has been the case pretty much um, since the beginning. Maybe there was a very brief time in human history before sin where human beings were totally transparent, right? You have Adam, you have Eve, you're in the garden, nothing to hide, perfect relationship with God up until that point, no secrets, just full transparency with each other and with God. But God told them there was one rule, there was one tree to not eat from, right? And what is human tendency? Wet paint, don't touch. Well, I better investigate that myself, right? Uh, I mean, always, if you tell us not to do something, we're going to do it. And so they do. They eat. And after they eat, they hide, or they try to hide, and cover up their shame. Look with me, Genesis 3, uh, verse 7 through 9. At the moment, after they ate of the tree, at the moment, at that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. Man, our secrets, our sin leaves us feeling shame. So they did what we do. They, they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden as he did. God walked with them. They knew him that closely. So they hid 
from the Lord God among the trees. And the Lord called to the man, where are you? And I don't think God asked that because he didn't know where Adam was, but because Adam needed to figure out where he was and what got him there. And I think he asked us a similar question this morning. Where are you? What are you hiding? Where are you hiding? What are you keeping to yourself that needs to come into the light? As soon as they figure out that they are sinners, they cover up, they conceal, they hide, and they play hide and seek from God. It seems ridiculous. How can you hide from God? And yet we do the same thing, don't we? We make choices to sin. We make choices to disobey God. We make choices to prefer something that he's created over preferring him. And then we turn around and we try to cover it up. We avoid it. We don't think about it. Or we try to make it go away like David did, right? We try to just get it out of the way. We don't want to face the consequences of our selfishness. We don't want to deal with the realities of how we maybe have harmed other people. We don't, definitely don't want any dis- discipline uh, for our disobedience. And so it's just so much easier to hide. It's so much easier to pretend and to hide from God, hide from others, hide from ourself than it is to come into the light. But if we want freedom, if we want to live the life that God has for us, then we have to live in truth. Jesus says the truth will set you free. And so to have freedom, we have to have truth. Facing our truth, facing our sin, facing our secrets is not easy. It's not comfortable. But we can't fake ourselves to freedom, okay? You can pretend to be free all you want. But until you're honest with yourself and you're honest with God and you're honest with other people, you're not really going to be free. I like how one um, pastor says that, Pastor Chris Hodges says this, you're only as sick as your secrets. We all, got, we all have stuff we're dealing with, right? But you're only as sick as your secrets. It's the stuff that nobody knows, the stuff that nobody's helping you with, the stuff that nobody's praying with you about, the stuff that is secret. Those are the things that are really poisoning you, whatever you're hiding, whatever you're running from, denying, pretending. Maybe it's an addiction you struggle with. Maybe it's a mistake uh, from your past. Maybe it's an ongoing battle with, with gossip or with shopping or with comparing or with whatever it might be that consumes your time and your energy and your attention and pulls you away from God. You probably have shame about some of the things that you have done. You probably have regrets about some of the things that you've done. You probably feel trapped or stuck by some of the habits that you just can't quite seem to shake. This morning, the first step for you is to just face the truth, to be honest. And some of us, um, because of our secrets, we are suffocating and we're blaming different people, okay? Some of you deal with certain secrets and you have punished yourself for the secret. You've just wallowed in uh, shame. Is that right? That's not the right word, is it? Wallowed? Wallard? I think I've Southern missouri that, maybe. <laughs> you have just let yourself feel condemnation. Man, God can't forgive me. God can't love me. God, I can't forgive me, right? And so you, in your sin, you have it hidden and you have believed that it is who you are and you've believed the worst about yourself and come to just expect the worst of life. And that's fair because we deserve it, right? You're punishing yourself for your secrets. Other people punish 
other people for their secrets. Some of you are dealing with things and you blame someone else, right? That's, we see that in the garden. Adam and Eve, God shows up and says, Adam, what's going on? And he's like, uh, that woman you gave me. Uh, and he's like, Eve? And she's like, that serpent that you let in here, Lord. And it's blame shifting, right? The first people on the planet already got to, the devil made me do it within the first couple of chapters. So some of us, it's, it's not my fault. And so we accuse other people. We excuse ourselves for the things that we're struggling with. We're victims now of our secrets. And, and, and then even further, some of us blame God for the things that we're dealing with. God, why did you put the tree there? Why did you give me that spouse? Why did you let the serpent in, right? We're not going to get anywhere blaming anyone, blaming ourselves, blaming other people, blaming God is only when we're just honest and we deal with these things out in the open that we can find freedom. And here's the crazy thing. Whether you're beating yourself up or other people up or blaming God, you have believed the lie that the best way to handle this is by yourself. That you are the person that is most capable of handling this secret. That honesty with God or with others is going to be harmful to you. But the truth is, transparency is transformational. If you could actually be honest where you're at, it could change your life. See, God doesn't push himself away when you're honest about your sin. God doesn't go, ooh, I didn't know that one, and hide embarrassed, ashamed of you when you're honest about your secrets. Your honesty actually draws you closer to him. Some of you, um, you pretend your way through church every week. You pretend you're happy to be here. You pretend that you mean some of the words that you're singing along to on the screen. And the whole thing, if you're honest, just feels kind of empty and phony. And I would say that for some of you, if you would just be honest about your struggles and even your anger towards God, if you just be honest, it wouldn't make you this person that can't approach God. It wouldn't put further distance between you and God. It would actually enhance your worship. If you read the Psalms, man, they are not all like happy, happy, joy, joy. They are roller coasters. David and the other psalmists are like, Lord, how long are you going to leave me all to myself? When are you going to show up? Why do you hate me? And in the same chapter, yet, Lord, you're the best, <laughs> right? And it's that raw honesty before God that already knows your thoughts and your feelings. But when you're real before God, it helps you, and you can, you can encounter his presence as the real you. And see, it's not just transformational in your worship and, and your relationship with God, transformational, but it's transformational with your relationship with other people. Because see, most of us um, have people in our lives that only see us, know us at a surface level, right? Um, everybody's got a profile picture, Okay. And for the most part, that's what we let people see. I don't know if y'all have ever had this experience. You're talking to someone, you're like, hey, do you know so-and-so? And they're like, oh, I, don't, I don't remember. You got a picture? And you're like, yeah, no problem. Hold on, we're Facebook friends. And you pull it up, and you click on the profile picture, and you're like, hmm, that doesn't look like them. Scroll, scroll, scroll. None of these look like, hold on. I'll go to the tagged photos section <laughs> A picture they don't want on here looks like them, right? But that's what we do. We put our best self out there, our best vacation pictures, our most flattering 
selfie, right? The perfect angle. You got to hold that camera way up here, right? I know, I know how it goes. Nothing wrong with that, but there's a problem if that's all that anyone sees. You don't have to tell your deepest, darkest secrets to everybody, but you better not have all of your relationships operating on a surface level. There's 17 other selfies that you deleted, right? And there's a vacation photo where all the kids were crying. And you're not always the perfect Instagram mom. And tonight's meal looks incredible, but you didn't post a picture of last night's meal, right? Somebody needs to know the real you. And if nobody sees the real you, you will eat. This is how crazy it is. Our hearts are so deceitful. If nobody sees the real you, you will even begin to believe that that's you. I've seen it. I've seen people. It's always the perfect selfie. It's always the gym selfie. It's always this. And they live post to post. How many likes did I get? How many of my girlfriends said, girl, you're so beautiful. You're so gorgeous. You're so... And, and now I'm just trying to outdo myself and live up to my own, like, fake image. Somebody needs to see the real you. And the enemy is so good at convincing us that if we let people see the real us, then we're going to be all alone. And so we stay surface all alone. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. The very thing he's threatening us with is what we're experiencing. Well, if you put the real you out there, nobody's going to want to get close to you. So we don't let anybody get close to us. It's, it's self-fulfilling. He's so good at it that we wind up quarantining our hearts from people, even though we're surrounded by people and we're connected digitally 24-7. We are so connected and we are all alone in a crowded room, and it's killing us. It's killing us relationally. Listen, whether you are introverted or extroverted, I would ask the introverts to raise their hands, but you know, <laughs> wherever you fall on the spectrum, God has placed a need inside of you to be seen and known and loved anyway. That's in you. You are a relational human being. And in the garden, the first problem wasn't even sin. It was solitude. Everything was perfect. And God said, hmm, this guy's alone. That's not, that's not going to work. We need relationship, friendship, companionship. Listen, you, you cannot follow Jesus all by yourself. And I don't think you have an excuse to. Maybe if the Lord visits you in a dream in some remote village somewhere and you're the only Christian on the island, maybe there's an excuse for you to follow Jesus all by yourself for a little while until you make a new convert, right? But here, we have no excuse to be living solo Christianity. We have, we have no excuse to be doing this all by ourselves. And yet, we need these relationships. We need this transformation in our relationship with God and with others. And we keep shooting holes in our own boat by concealing our secrets and pretending to be something that we're not. The path to freedom and healthy relationships demands honesty and transparency. And, and, and look, I mean, I'm not just saying this. First John chapter 1, I love this. First John 1, 7 says, if we walk in the light, 
not in the dark, not behind the trees, not pretending, not a facade. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, as, as the Lord is in the light, look what it says. We have fellowship with one another. It's not just, well, if we walk in the light and he's in the light and he's in the light, we're in the light, we're both in the light, we have a relationship with him. No, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. You're only as sick as your secrets. But when you walk in the light, there's a cleansing. When you walk in the light, there's fellowship. Getting out of the dark and out from behind the trees doesn't just affect your relationship with God. It gives you fellowship with one another. And listen, it'll be messy. All the human beings said amen, right? None of us are easy to love. Some of us are easier than others, but you know, it'll be messy, but it'll be worth letting people see the real you. You need it. You need relationship. You need it for support. You need it for mission. You need it for blind spots. Hello. <laughs> we need friends that'll tell us the truth. Y'all, um, I know this is like an old show, but you guys, have, most of you have probably at some point in your life seen American Idol, right? The first few episodes, there's always the people that show up that are just kind of there for laughs. You know, it's like, we're gonna put this person on TV. They're not a singer, right? And it doesn't surprise me that there are people who think that they're good at something and they're not good at it. What surprises me is that some of these people show up with 17 family members that are just as surprised as they are, that act just as surprised as they are when they don't get the golden ticket. Like, was there no, there wasn't one aunt that said, honey, you're beautiful, you're not a singer. Nobody told this person the truth. Right? Who needs enemies when you have friends like that? You don't want somebody that looks at you at a meeting, at a social, and goes, hmm, they've got spinach in their teeth, but I'm not going to say anything. Now, I've never had spinach in my teeth because I've never eaten spinach, but you want somebody to say something, right? And so if everybody only sees you at surface level, you're unapproachable. And the crazy thing is, is we'll have two people meet each other, both pretend to be perfect, and the other one is thinking, I don't actually connect with this person because they're perfect. And they're thinking, man, I can't keep up with her. She's perfect. Let the guard down. Be real. Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. You need somebody that will tell you that you're missing it. You need somebody that has permission in your life to tell you about your blind spots. And, and listen, if they tell you and it sounds crazy to you, you're like, that can't be me. It's probably a blind spot. I don't need anybody to tell me the stuff I already know about myself. That's what makes it a blind spot. I don't see that that's how that came across. I don't see that, that attitude sounded that way. I don't see that, that I made you feel that way. And listen, some of us, when we do have a friend, God bless them, they had the courage to step out and love us enough to tell us something about us, to point out a blind spot. We made a list of a hundred reasons we're justified, they're wrong, they're worse, they do everything worse than us, and how dare they? If somebody has the courage to talk to you, just receive it. And if it's not valid, that'll, that'll shake itself out. You talk to five or six other people like, hey, am I grumpy? No, am I grumpy? No, okay, I'm not grumpy. They just think I'm grumpy, whatever. But, but, but receive 
that critique gracefully. As we take steps towards deeper freedom, deeper relationship, it's going to require deeper investment. We invest time and attention into relationship with other people. I want to brag on our ladies. Our ladies just got back from Design for Life Women's Conference, and they go every year, but I have not seen a year quite like this one where they have just dove into um, relationships. If you're a lady and you attend our church and you feel like you're doing life alone and you're lonely, you just need to find you a couple girls that went to DFL and they will blow your phone up. Okay? They, they are gonna, they're gonna make you share life. All right? But, but guys, like, it's harder for us. You know, like, it's easy for us to just talk about the game and talk about the weather and talk about the deer stand or whatever. I think that's what hunters talk about. I don't know. <laughs> this flannel is not because I'm outdoorsy, all right? <laughs> but we've got to invest as men as well. We've got to find somebody to share life with in our small group another Christian from a different church that we work with, somebody in our neighborhood, somebody in our family. we got to find somebody that we're honest with. I have men in my life that I can call even not just after I do something stupid, before I do something stupid. I can call Bob. I can call Kevin. I can call Jason. I can call Dave. I can call Brad and say, dude, I just thought about this, and I just don't want it to go any further than that. You need people in your life that way. And so here's my, my hope this morning is that you're thinking about it. And if you feel like there's nobody, start investing, right? Take that kindergarten advice. You want friends, be a friend, right? And if there's nobody, invest in it. And I, I hope before you leave this morning, you've already made a decision. You've already had a thought into your mind about one, two, three guys or ladies that you can open up to. And I, my prayer is that it would bug you until you do it. I'm just like praying a Holy Spirit nag on you right now, okay? That until you open up to somebody, it would bother you. As Pastor Nate comes, I want to wrap up this morning with just some vulnerability that I think gets overlooked um, from the Apostle Paul. And shout out to Paul David Tripp and his book, Lead, for helping, helping me see how vulnerable he really is in this passage 2 Corinthians chapter 1, you have Paul, right? Um, crazy hero of the faith, missionary, evangelist, church planner, just this incredible, powerful man of God. And you would think, especially from a distance, you would want to keep up the image that you have it all together. You would want your followers, man, they're, they're suffering, they're being persecuted, they need a strong leader. But Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through. They don't even know about it. He doesn't have to, he doesn't have to tell them about this. But you ought to know about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were, listen to these great words of faith, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. Hey, I know you guys don't know about this. I know you're still praying for us. I know you're still sending support. Just want you to know, we thought it was over with. We, we hit rock bottom. We thought we were done. And we didn't have a whole lot of faith that it was going to get better. But as a result, 
we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God, who, by the way, raises the dead. Isn't that a great God that we get to rely on? And, and the crazy thing is, he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We've placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us one way or another, right? And then Paul says this, and you are helping. You're helping us by praying for us. I don't, we don't have to pretend that we're some superheroes or we're so strong. We need your prayer. And then he says, and then many people, all the people we're going to reach with the gospel, many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many of your prayers for our safety. And you see, Paul doesn't just talk about the physical struggle they were in and the attacks they were under. He talks about how they felt, the despair, the doubt, the struggle they had. This hero, this, this giant of the faith, this great man of God has no problem saying, yeah, there was a point we were done. He felt fear. He felt despair. He felt hopeless. And even in a leadership position, he doesn't feel like he has to hide it. Because here's the thing, the people following Paul are not dependent on Paul's perfection. <laughs> Bluff First doesn't need a perfect pastor. We serve a perfect God. You don't have to be a perfect parent. You can admit when you're wrong. You don't have to be a perfect boss. You can be humble. You could take the facade off. And Paul says, you know what? Like, I'm open. I'm honest about this. This was tough, but God. And similarly, God is calling us this morning out of our darkness, out from behind the trees, out into the open and into the light. And here's the thing. It's not that we don't have things to hide, but grace says we no longer have to. It's not that we haven't done things we're ashamed of. It's that the things that we're ashamed of have already been paid in full. It, it, see, it's not that we don't feel like hiding, but the God that we hide from has become our Father, and we can run to him over and over and over, and he's faithful to forgive us. And the people that we're like, oh, man, we can't let them see our guard down. We can't, we can't be a bad example. Listen, it, in your weakness often, his strength, his power is made perfect. The things that you regret, the things you're ashamed of, they've already been atoned for. You can stop the facade. Hebrews 4, I promise I'm almost done. Hebrews 4 says, I love, I don't know that I've ever seen it this way, but it says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Another version says, let us boldly approach the throne of grace. There we will receive his mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. How can we come before a perfect, sinless, righteous anger God boldly? Because it's a throne of grace. We know what we're going to get. We know what we're going to be met with. We know what kind of father he is. We don't have to hang our heads in shame. We can boldly approach the throne and find the grace and the mercy that we need. And because God has dealt with our sin, we don't have to. Because Jesus has paid for our sin, we don't have to. You don't have to crucify him again, and you certainly cannot crucify, you can't take his place and go to the cross for your own sin. 
It's paid for. So, so get it out in the open. Be honest about it, not just with him, and with, but with other people. It doesn't have to isolate you anymore. It can actually bring you closer to God. It doesn't have to isolate you anymore. It can actually bring you closer to other people. Paul and his honesty didn't ruin his audience's respect for him. It turned into, instead of praise for Paul, it turned into praise for God. Instead of like, oh, we don't need you. We're the leader. It turned into, we need you more. Keep praying for us. And the community got stronger and got closer. The freedom God has given us to be honest with him vertically changes how we live horizontally. If we can be honest with God, we can be honest with each other. And listen, I know this to be true. There are people in this room that have dealt with serious stuff, and in the name of a good reputation, you've kept it to yourself, and what you don't realize is that somebody else could be set free by your honesty and by your story, but it's not my story to tell. There are individuals in this room, there are couples in this room that need to hear that you went through that too and that you made it. You don't have to hide it. You don't have to conceal it. You can give someone else the courage to step into the light. How can we help anyone deal with their sin and follow Jesus if we're hiding ours? How can we call people out of their shame if we're still hiding in ours? How can we share the hope-filled message of Jesus if we are still in our secrets? Don't buy the lie that everyone's going to look down on you. Don't buy the lie that you're mature enough, you shouldn't have these secrets. Don't buy the lie that it's not that big of a deal and that it was something less than sin. Don't buy the lie that, well, you know, you compare yourself to somebody else and, and they're so much worse or they're so much better than you. Don't care so much about what other people think or even what you think. Listen to the truth of the word of God. If we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another and he cleanses us from all sin. I mean, what could we want more than that? We're totally clean, we're totally free, and we have the relationships that we've longed for. Stand with me if you would this morning. Jesus, we're so grateful, God, that you didn't minimize sin, you didn't hide it, you didn't, you didn't ignore it, you didn't overlook at it, you saw it for what it was, you saw it for as serious as it was, and you sent your son as the sacrifice and the payment for us. And so we can come to you and find a throne, not just of judgment, but a throne of grace and mercy. And God, we can open up and we can be honest. And while there may be some people uncomfortable with our secrets, there might be some people that distance ourselves uh, from us in our sin and in our confession. God, your community is designed to be a confessing community. You forgive us, but you said confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. May Bluff First be a place of healing and confession and transparency and honesty and brotherhood and sisterhood and people growing closer to each other and closer to you, as messy as it is. Help us, God, respond to your word in your name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For questions, prayer requests, and more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com.